What's up, everyone? Thanks for hitting that download button and joining us for another episode of Marking Out the Days Weekend Warriors, episode 21, brought to you in part by the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. I'm your host this week, Dave Rosenbluth, flying solo uh, because uh, last week uh, the, the back to school bug kicked my fucking ass. It really did. And so uh, Kobe handled the duties on his own and did a great job, mind you. Just uh, listened to that show the other day, as a matter of fact. Um, and so I thought, you know, let me return the favor, give Kobe a week off, give him some time to recharge his batteries, whether it's uh, doing other Retromania, uh, you know, duties such as, you know, Hulkamania is Dead or Gaijin Wrestling Radio, or, you know, if he just wants a break from podcasting altogether, he wants to go walk the dogs, he wants to go hang out with his friends and family, by all means, I thought, you know, let me re- repay the favor because, you know, that's what I that's what I like to do. You know, you help me out, I help you out. You scratch my back, I scratch yours. So, um, Kobe, uh, you know, enjoy your enjoy your time off uh i'll uh i'll, I'll take care of the uh the, the duties here this week and next week mind you um on uh, marking out the day's weekend warriors but um yeah um so i'm gonna be doing this show this week by myself flying solo hope you guys enjoy it hopefully i can uh, entertain you and bring you a comprehensive recap of wwf superstars and wcw saturday night from september the 12th 1992 but before i get into that um if you're familiar with this voice, then you know I also host another retro pro wrestling podcast out there called Kicking Out at Two, which you can find on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean. Uh, you can find all the backlog archives of Kicking Out at Two, as well as Marking Out the Days, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, and Origins of Attitude. But uh, if you if you if you want to check out Kicking Out at Two last week, this week, and next week, then uh, it'll allow me to uh, to give you guys uh, a, a little preview of what the lineup has been and will be um last week this week and next week um so last week kobe uh sat down and joined me for a clash of champions 20 watch party from september the 2nd 1992 we watched that on wwe network it was headlined by sting the steiners and nikita koloff against jake the snake big van vader super invader and ravishing recruit an eight-man tag team elimination match um it was the 20 years of pro wrestling on tbs celebration so there was all it was a big special event it was like a black tie affair um, you also saw Ron Simmons and Cactus Jack for the WCW title. So you can watch that with us by downloading the podcast and hooking up your WWE network and uh, going back and watching that with us. Uh, you can find that, like I said, in the archives over at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Uh, this week, we have a special show as my buddy Dennis J. Levy joined me and we gave you guys our guilty pleasures in pro wrestling history. What are guilty pleasures? Well, it's something that you may be very fond of or you may like that the majority of wrestling fans, they can't stand. So, for instance, uh, I'll give you a little bit of a preview. I liked the Goldberg heel turn in WCW in the year 2000. A lot of people didn't, but I did. I thought it made sense. Um, the turn, that is. How they moved forward with it, I thought it was shit. But, um, you know, that, that was one of my guilty pleasures. Dennis, he liked to hate wrestling. He liked to watch shitty wrestling and then talk shit about it and hate it, which I, I guess you can call that a guilty pleasure. I mean, there are a lot of fans out there that don't like to watch shitty wrestling, but then there are, like, a lot of fans out there that like to watch wrestling and like to shit on it. So I, I, I guess, you know, six a dozen, six, six and six to one, half a dozen of the other, you know, um, 
there, there, there's those folks out there that are like Dennis that like to do that, but um, I don't think it's the majority. So that's one of Dennis's guilty pleasures. And you can find out more of those guilty pleasures um, by downloading that podcast, Guilty Pleasures Part 2. Um, if you haven't listened to Guilty Pleasures Part 1, we recorded that about a year ago with Dennis myself and my brother Justin and uh, you can find that in the archives over at the Retro Mania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network that show was a lot of fun Um, this time it's just me and Dennis but we still had a lot of fun doing that Um, even had some talk about some AEW stuff so yeah check that out uh, this week on Kicking Out at 2 and next week on Kicking Out at 2 you will find um, what are we doing next week next week next week next week is September oh yeah that's right Dennis joins me once again and we go back and watch ECW Anarchy Rules 1999 on the 20th anniversary of that event Uh, we we have a a watch party on WWE Network so have your WWE Network fired up and ready to rock and roll um, and uh, watch that show with us. We talk a lot about, uh, we, we draw some AEW comparisons and conversations on that show. Uh, while we watch that event, we talk about uh, the, the departure of the Dudleys and Taz and the return of Raven and... Um, you know, Den- when it comes to Dennis, Dennis is, is you know very opinionated, and he has his own brand of opinion, and he's a wild card. And that's why I love talking wrestling with him because he just brings something that you know you don't expect. So um, you know, check that out next week. ECW Anarchy Rules 1999 Watch Party on Kicking Out at Two. And if you want to find all the great shows of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, like Kicking Out at Two, then you can find that over on Podbean. Retromania. Search Retromania with a W, and you can find. All the backlog archive shows of Kicking Out of Two, Marking Out the Days, Hulkamania is Dead, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, and Origins of Attitude, and so much more. There's all kinds of different, uh, you know, special bonus shows that we've done, um, and we got some more bonus content that we're setting up for you in the coming weeks and months uh, here at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. So be on the lookout for that. Any podcast app, just search Retromania with a W. You'll find all of those shows in those archives on those different podcast platform so whether it's google play spotify spreaker stitcher apple Podcasts, soundcloud you can find it all over there on the retromania pro wrestling podcast network and without further ado let's get this show on the road shall we um it is september the 12th 1992 we're going to start with wwf superstars um we open this show with breaking news, um, clips of Ric Flair's controversial world title victory over the macho man Randy Savage from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, we see the finish and we, you know, with Flair uh, making Savage uh, submit to the figure four and then Mr. Perfect celebrating with Ric Flair in the ring. And then we cut to Vince McMahon and Mr. Perfect at the announcer's desk uh, where Mr. Perfect is gloating over the win. Um, and Vince, you know, looking on very disgusted, uh, then segues to um, the first match involving an individual who took part in screwing Randy Savage over for the WWF title. I'm talking about Razor Ramon. Um, his, uh, his match opens up this episode of Superstars as he defeats Gary Jackson. Um, really nothing to see here. It's a standard squash match. Um, Vince and Mr. Perfect, they continue to discuss the title match and Razor's involvement in it. Razor Ramon does beat Jackson with the Razor's Edge. Jackson did take a uh, pretty gnarly-looking bump from that Razor's Edge where he uh, kind of stood on top of his head. I thought that was kind of cool. So, uh, um 
that was really the only noteworthy um, uh, moment in the match. Like I said, standard squash match. Razor just kind of had his way with him, toyed with him. Um, and they've really helped. They've really developed the Razor Ramon character very well in these last few weeks on Superstars. Um, he after the match he leaves and he goes to watch the finish of his of his match on the video wall, which is something new that they were doing on Superstars, um, having a video wall um, while gloating to the camera. So um, yeah, I thought, like I said, oh, great way to open the show. Um, you know, kind of giving us some breaking news on Savage losing the title, Razor Ramon's involvement in that, and then segueing into Razor's match against this enhancement talent. It was just a good way to really set the tone for basically what the theme of this show is, and it's basically the, the, the Savage title loss and Ric Flair and his camp rebounding from the embarrassment that took place at SummerSlam. Um, we then get a pre-tape uh, segment with uh, Mean Gene Oakland um, at ringside in Hershey, Pennsylvania, detailing the events that led up to that title victory. Uh, we see Randy Savage and Razor Ramon had a face-to-face pre-match interview before the championship match, which led to a physical altercation. Uh, Ramon taunted Savage, and then Savage said, I think you dropped your toothpick, huh? And as Razor goes to pick it up, Savage nails him with a right hand, knocks him off the podium. You get referees and officials coming out trying to break it up. And so uh, it was um, a pretty, uh, pretty, fun, pretty fun segment there that set the tone for that match. Um, and then, uh, you know, Savage, who was already selling a leg injury from the SummerSlam match with the Ultimate Warrior at, after the attack that took place in that match with Flair and Perfect, um, he decided to wrestle the match with Flair, and they detail um, the moments in that match leading up to Flair's title win, title win uh, with you know the, the Razor Ramon getting involved and kicking Savage's leg out from under him, and Flair giving him the figure four, um, and the crowd really not into it. Um, you're really, you're really not into Flair winning the actual title itself. Um, they, they were not happy with it. And uh, here's an interesting story. I read this in Bobby Heenan's book once regarding this match. Um, this match, actually, Vince calls one of the worst wrestling matches he's ever seen. Um, as a matter of fact, he made it was so bad, I guess, that in, in Bobby Heenan's book, he, um, he describes it as um, – uh, he, he, he describes a scene where Vince basically told Heenan to go out to ringside and tell them to cut the match short because it was just that bad. They were just, they just were, for whatever reason, they just were not hitting on all cylinders. And so um, I think they had to reshoot the finish of the match, too, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember the book. But um, long story short, maybe that was why the crowd wasn't into it because they retaped the finish. I don't know. But um, they obviously don't show that in this instance here on superstars um and then we see uh you know post-match beatdown from razor ramon as um oakland's describing the scene then the warrior shows up to carry the macho man out from uh, the ringside area which was kind of funny it looked like he was carrying his bride over the threshold on their wedding night um and then there's a video package. Or the video package ends with Razor in the locker room claiming that the Macho Man is the dirt under my fingernails, man. And uh, we go to commercial. Um, coming back from commercial, it's the Natural Disasters defeating Joe Turner and Doug Summers. And this is pretty much the same stuff we've seen from these guys before in a squash match. There's really nothing right to nothing to write home about. Um, 
The announcers continue to discuss the controversy surrounding the title switch. Vince speculates that maybe Jack Tunney will name the Warrior the number one contender, which I thought was interesting. Just kind of throwing that out there. Um, they also plug the new WWF magazine with Tatanka on the cover, which mentions that Jimmy Hart has two teams gunning for the titles, um, which, you know, going back watching this um, kind of led me to believe that there may be planting seeds of a split in within Jimmy Hart's camp here, uh, referring to um, the Nasty Boys and Money Incorporated, who are the two teams that are under Jimmy Hart's tutelage. So uh, we'll see what happens there in the coming weeks um, here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. But the finish is Typhoon gets the splash for the win and the natural disasters. Um, you know, stand tall over these uh, enhancement talents who pretty much had no shot to begin with. So um, I wouldn't go out of my way to watch that match if I were you. Uh, we get an event center here with Sean Mooney, um, who sends it to Money, Inc., and they basically want their title titles back from the natural disasters, plain and simple. They're going back to that um, – that uh you know uh the, that rivalry here which is interesting because kobe kind of talked about it on last week's show um you know they had some stuff already in the can before SummerSlam, and it looked like the the lod match from last week was one of those matches um so i'm kind of curious um if they pivoted and redirected the natural disasters back into the title picture because they lost to the road warriors at SummerSlam. And heading into SummerSlam, those two teams are talking about whoever wins is in a prime position to be the number one contender for the tag team titles. Now, the 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 uh, the, the legend goes that Hawk um, basically quit the WWF and skipped town and uh, went to go hang out with the, the Hell's Angels chapter uh, in the, in the United Kingdom um, and told Vince that you know I'm not coming back, and so that you know. That caused, um, you know, Vince to, uh, you know, put the put put the Road Warriors out to pasture, and so I guess this was probably a pivot for um, the tag team title scene, putting the money back in with the natural disasters. Um, and then we get another green screen promo from El Matador Tito Santana, um, who basically. He says he's going to fight anyone because he's going to the top thank, thank, and thanks the fans for their support. Um, typical standard you know, white meat baby face promo. Um, Tito was never really good on the mic, although he held his own in this promo. But, um, yeah, it is what it is. So um, don't expect anything, uh, anything groundbreaking from El Matador in the coming weeks and months here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. We come back from commercial, and we have Papa Shango defeating Justin Taylor with a shoulder breaker. And, uh, yeah, I don't really need to recap this match. Um, the only thing noteworthy from this match is that the announcers speculate that the curse that Papa Shango put on Bret Hart resulted in his SummerSlam loss. And, as always, during this match, they really don't focus on the individual in the match itself. They kind of talk about other storylines, and Vince did more speculating that the Warriors next in line to face Flair for the title. So, yeah, there you have it. Um, another fucking event center with Sean Mooney, this time with Crush, who reveals he's from Hawaii and then all of a sudden transforms um, his... Uh, his accent into an island accent which sounded all too fake brother i'm from hawaii my friends they tell me crush you know who you are so let me tell you everybody i'm from hawaii a corner shaka brother coconut in the head who ha ha who that's pretty much what he said um 
you know, uh, you know how Vince is. He needs a demographic for everyone. So I guess he wanted to um, to uh, appeal to the island fan, the island wrestling fan, so to speak. Yeah. Anyhow, um, the Beverly Brothers with a green screen promo on the event center, as always. And uh, they want the tag titles, and they plan to go to the top. And I feel like that this promo was recycled from their SummerSlam buildup. So, uh, yeah, um, nothing to see here. Um I'm really giving you guys some stellar recapping here. I'll say that. And I say that in a joking way because this episode of Superstar so far has sucked a big... It is est the D, okay? It is est the D for sure um, when it comes to um, continuity and uh, storyline development. The only thing that they've really um, pushed and touched upon is the uh, the savage... Uh, you know, flair championship match that ended in controversy. So, um, yeah, the rest of this stuff's just been garbage. <laughs> um, we come back from commercial and we got the big boss man wrestling iron Mike sharp, um, boss man. He's, he's pretty over with this crowd. Super over as a matter of fact, in my opinion. Um, and they're, they, I feel like they got behind him in this match. Like this was a pay-per-view match, you know, um, Either Boss Man's really over, or Iron Mike Sharp's a really good enhancement, uh, you know, uh, enhancement talent heel. I don't know, but um, Mr. Perfect and Vince discuss the prospects of a showdown with Nails, and of course, there's more talk of Flair's title win because we can't talk enough about fucking Ric Flair in this paper on this show. Um, it's almost become a nauseating. You know, I, I guess as a kid, I probably would have been annoyed that they were that Mr. Perfect was kind of rubbing it in, but as an adult, this is like overkill. They've, they've talked about it a fair amount, like to the point where like the matches don't even matter. Granted, the matches didn't matter in the first place because the matches are enhancement talent matches. But you got these talents out there that you had some kind of storylines with. So why don't you touch upon that? You have dedicated a fair amount of the show to, you know, this this championship situation. So goddamn, like, you know, what the fuck? <sighs> Anyhow, Bossman defeated Iron Mike Sharp, and um, he cuffs Sharp to the po to the, uh, the 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 ring ropes and taunts him with the nightstick, basically sending a message to Nails. So Big Bossman's a fucking hypocrite. There, I said it. <laughs> um, we cut to footage of the locker room celebration, the post-match celebration between Ric Flair, Razor Ramon, Bobby Heenan, and Mr. Perfect from that. Um, that match uh, between Flair and Savage for the title um, was, you know, th that stuff was good stuff. Um, I liked how they kind of introduced Razor Ramon into their little group. It really helped legitimize him as a newcomer in the WWF. Um, I thought it was a, a good segment and really drove home the point that, um, you know, you know, this group, this this tandem, I guess you could say, of Razor and Flair with Perfect and uh, Bobby Heenan, they're, uh, the, the, they're the top dogs in the WWF. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a, a, a nice way to put more heat on them, even though, like I said a minute ago, it's become too much. They've talked too much about it. This segment was a nice touch, so hopefully they don't talk anything, talk any more about it. Um, up next, we got the Nasty Boys defeating Red Tyler and Greg Brown. Um, this match here actually took longer than usual for the Nasties to defeat the Enhancement guys, so much so that there was a commercial break during this match, which I found very, very strange. Um, I don't know what that was all about. 
but um, and it's pretty rare during this era for a commercial match or commercial to take place during a match unless it's like like a marquee match right before the main event. So yeah, I um, I mean it was I I, I didn't really understand it, but you know maybe it was a, a situation with um, one of the other matches on the taping was cut short the nasties got more time i don't know um but yeah it was it was rather strange um and this match was pretty sloppy i mean the nasty boys are not ring technicians to say the least but um it was was pretty sloppy and so um i nothing like i said nothing to write home about but i wouldn't go out of my way to watch this match um double ddt for the win as the referee almost forgot to make the count which was even worse so i wonder if there was some sort of issue because i mean between the sloppiness of the match the fact that the match ran longer than expected and the referee looked out of place yeah who knows um event center with sean mooney as we have Skinner, who is mad at Jack Tunney for banning his chewing tobacco from ringside. Uh, so he basically decides to threaten him with a good old-fashioned tire slash. And as he uh, pulls his knife out, his little gator skin and knife or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, nothing's really going to happen to him if he slashes Jack Tunney's tires. I mean, he's still going to be employed because apparently they hire convicts. Nails. And then we got the LOD who also threatened lives of all the tag teams in the WWF. Not certain if this is the final appearance of LOD on Superstars, but, um, you know, we'll find out. Um, And then we get hype for next week's shows. We have Brett the Hitman Hart and Shawn Michaels in action, respectively. In a marquee matchup, we have Tatanka taking on the Mountie, and plus a special interview with the Macho Man Randy Savage and more highlights from the Flair Savage title change, all on WWF Superstars next week. Um, Then the main event of this show saw The Undertaker defeat Pat Rose with the Tombstone for the victory. Very short, standard Undertaker squash match at this time. Did all his signature shit. Clothesline, old school off the top, choke slam, Tombstone, the whole nine. Puts him in the body bag. They roll credits, and that is the end of WWF Superstars, which, like I said earlier, that, that this episode sucked a big fat dick, okay? It S to D, all right? Um, and it can S a D from the back, too, because um, <clears throat> other than the, um, the, the, the breaking news regarding Flair's title victory over Randy Savage, there was nothing on this show that I gave a shit about. Maybe, maybe because they didn't want us to give a shit about anything except for that title change. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's what I think of this episode of WWF Superstars. I'll go on record, spoiler alert, before I give you the recap of Saturday night, that this episode of Superstars is not going to win. Saturday night would really have to S a D from the back ten times over in order for this episode of Superstars to win this week here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. So, um, Kobe, hopefully you're keeping score. <laughs> um, 6.05, TBS, WCW Saturday Night from September the 12th, 1992. We open with clips from last week's finish to the main event involving Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson defeating the Steiner Brothers with a little bit of help from do-do-do Michael P.S. Hayes. Um... And we got Jim Ross with Teddy Long um, hyping the card for the evening. And then Teddy thanks all the homies for watching Power Hour with Tony Schiavone and Missy Hyatt. Um, he calls everyone homies. 
everyone's a homie to Teddy Long, um, which today in 2019, I'm sure somebody would be fucking offended if you called them a homie. Um, just about anything can be offensive in 2019 in, the, in our society. Um, what's not offensive in 1992, but probably would be deemed offensive in 2019, or at least one of these individuals would be, um, it has been known to be very offensive to others. Um, the Steiner brothers come out for an interview. Um, and Scott trips over his words, um, but they, they, he basically makes it clear that they want Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton, and in order for them to get the tag team titles back, they got to go through Eaton and Anderson, who are the, the number one contenders. Um, then Rick, they, JR hands the mic over to Rick, and he says, good interview, huh, JR? Um, and then he stumbles over his words, and he calls his, t- he calls his opponents, um, Arn Eaton. <laughs> you can see the look on JR's face when you go back and you watch this. He noticeably chuckles. Um, yeah, I don't know what was up with the Steiners if they had a few uh, a few adult beverages uh, before they came out to cut the promo. But basically, they want revenge on Double A and Beautiful Bobby, and they want a shot at the tag team titles, which are held by Doctor Death, Steve Williams, my boy Doc, and uh, Terry Bam Bam Gordon, Michael. Michael, we're coming for those. We're coming for you, Michael. Um, that's my best, Terry Gordy. All right. Uh, first match on this show is stunning Steve Austin with the Joker. I mean, Paul Heyman, Paul E. Dangerously, I should say, as he defeats Chris Sullivan. Heyman was out with his best purple-looking Joker suit. Um, and this match was really quick. I didn't expect it to be this quick. Uh, Austin made quick work of uh, Sullivan with a stun gun for the victory. And then uh, they uh, they go to the interview podium with JR and Paul Lee and Austin uh, vow for, vow re- they're they're vowing to reclaim the television title from Ricky the Dragon Steamboat after losing it to Steamboat at the recent Class of Champions, which by the way we covered on kicking out at two. Kicking out a two Clash of Champions 20 watch party. Find it in the archives. Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Yep, pimping my shit out because that's what I do. Uh, but I pimp it out because I love it. And, uh, you know, I, I stand, by my, stand by my work just like I stand by my work here. I'm marking out the days. Weekend Warriors. Someone else who stands by his work, probably still stands by his work to this day as the vice president of wrestling operations of WCW. I'm talking about Bill Watts. He's he's joining JR as they come back from a commercial break, and he discusses a few matters in WCW. He talks about that particular Clash of Champions event, and uh, you know he talks about the vote for the over-the-top rope rule that took place on the WCW hotline at that event, as well as the light heavyweight tournament. Um, Watts says that he's very pleased with the Clash and is excited how the night turned out. He thanks all the fans for tuning in. He's also pleased that the fans voted on the top rope rule. He's sensitive to fan input, according to uh, Bill Watts. Um, we also discusses plans for the tournament and that the top rope rule will be rescinded at the start of that tournament in two weeks for the light heavyweight division only, but we'll revisit it for other divisions in WCW. He thanks the fans once again as we get to the next match, which sees a light heavyweight match between Scotty Flamingo and Brad Armstrong. Um, this was a nice back and forth match. Um, 
if this went a few minutes longer, I wouldn't have been totally against it. But, um, you know, the, the, the crowd, especially at center stage in Atlanta, they're super into Brad Armstrong. I know I've said that about Boss Man. They're super into Boss Man. But they were really, really red hot for Brad Armstrong. Um, you know, Armstrong, unfortunately, couldn't uh, defend the light heavyweight title against Pillman at that clash, which we talked about on that watch along. I'm kicking out at two. However, um, he was back for, for this match against Scotty Flamingo not too long after. Um, and so, uh, you know, the, the knee injury was the story of this match as Flamingo worked on the knee. Um, a, a reminder um, that the knee was the reason why Armstrong had to relinquish the title at the clash. However, um, Armstrong eventually came back and won with a side Russian leg sweep. And then he grabs the mic to cut a promo in the match, or in the ring, I should say, calling out Brian Pillman. He wants an explanation for why Pillman slapped him in the face at Clash of Champions. However... Brian Pillman pulled a no-show, and uh, we go to commercial break. And then coming back from the break, JR interviews the United States champion, Ra Ravishing Rick Rude. Excuse me. Um, Rude discusses the NWA title loss to Masahiro Chono in Japan recently, which they showed clips of on that Clash of Champions. Um... Re Ravishing Rick Rude blames referee Hattori for forgetting to count to three when Rude had Chono beat. Um... And then Rude demands a rematch for the title. Um, but, you know, the, if, if you go back and you watch this on WWE Network, this interview looks like it was heavily edited. Um, it, it, it looks like the original airing of this interview, JR was talking with Rude, and then they would go to a clip of what took place in the match. If I'm not mistaken, that might be because WWE doesn't own footage of New Japan Pro Wrestling, or they don't have license to, to air some of that footage and that footage took place in 1992 during a time when they had a working agreement with WCW so that's why I think that this segment was heavily edited because you would see JR just kind of skip over to the next subject but it looked like due to the editing that there was like a flashback or they you know the the, the they rolled the credits um you kind of get what I'm saying. I'm not really good with the television terms, so. But basically, this had, this this interview looks heavily edited, um, and then Rude uh, um, discusses his upcoming match with Kensuke Sasaki on WCW main event tomorrow evening. Um, and that's the end of that. Um, we'll go to commercial and come back, and Super Invader is out as he. Uh, goes to face a returning Shane Douglas, um, who upset him with a roll-up for the victory. Um, I was kind of surprised to see this because um, Douglas didn't get an entrance, and Super Invader was was managed by Harley Race. No Harley Race for this match, by the way. Um, but yeah, I thought that Super Invader was going to get a solid push, and he took an upset victory to um, Shane. You know, upset loss, I should say, to Shane Douglas. Um, I'm sorry, Douglas got the win with a belly-to-belly -belly suplex, not a roll-up. I apologize. Um, and then post-match, JR interviews Shane, who's excited to be back in WCW and wants to compete. Um, another total white meat babyface promo, thanking the fans, making a bunch of empty promises that he's going to do right by the people and climb to the top of WCW. If it wasn't for them, he wouldn't be where he is, et cetera, et cetera. Continue to jerk me off, blah, 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 pretty much. That's what it was. Um, go to commercial, come back, and JR is interviewing Cactus Jack, who is accompanied by the Barbarian. 
Um, Cactus discusses his uh, match with Ron Simmons at the Clash and admits that Simmons got the best of him, but he challenges Ron Simmons to face the Barbarian or Butch Reed for a title match in the very near future. And he ends the interview by saying, get your lips off the belt. Bang, bang. Um, yeah, we talked about it a little bit on that watch along. Uh, Cactus, Barbarian, Butch Reed, and even Jake the Snake to some extent. Some little weird oddball group of a bunch of misfits that just like to cause chaos and havoc. Um, yeah, it looks like that's like the new top group, I guess, of, of heels in WCW at this time in 1992. Um and uh, after this interview, uh, we segue into a match with Barbarian um, destroying Rick Nelson uh, with a big boot. Quick win. Um, Cactus is on commentary for this match, and he promotes his tag match with Barbarian as they face Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham on the main event tomorrow evening. Kind of alluding to uh, the Butchery Barbarian match against uh, Dustin and Barry Windham from Clash of Champions. Kind of following up on that for this um this match on main event that would be tomorrow evening. Um, go to commercial. We come back and JR is hyping the Halloween Havoc commercial that we kind of previewed from that Clash of Champions. Uh, Sting and Jake the Snake spin the wheel, make the deal. Um, takes place in some old grungy dive bar. It's like a little mini movie, very hokey. Um, but I thought it was some pretty funny shit too. You had the you know the little people and. Um, the bikers and had the big wheel medusa was a part of the whole presentation too or she spun the wheel and uh yeah it was um it was a uh, it, it was it was it was stupid but it was funny it was like funny stupid you know what i mean um go to commercial we come back and jr is interviewing scotty flamingo and he's upset that he lost to brad armstrong but vows to win the light heavyweight tournament as we go into the next match with a couple of light heavyweights flying brian pillman and Marcus Bagwell. Um, Flamingo was on commentary for this match. And uh, this was a very fun match. High pace, back and forth. Not long, but, you know, not incredibly short either. Um, Pillman won with a punt to the head. Very Randy Orton-like. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, Post-match here, we saw Brad Armstrong make his way into the ring. And he wants to clear the air with Pillman. He's willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. However... Pillman slaps him in the face. Brad tries to shake his hand again. Boom. No, the slap in the face. Then Brad Armstrong's had enough and he retaliates and he goes after Pillman. Uh, Scotty Flamingo runs in to attack Brad Armstrong as the heels double team Brad Armstrong. And then out of nowhere, Bagwell shows up. And Bagwell, my goodness, that crowd went crazy for him. This was like the center stage exploded when Bagwell and Armstrong cleared house and uh, Pillman and Flamingo were outside in the ring licking their wounds. They were really, really into it. Um, they, uh, they, they, go hot, they go out hot heading into a commercial. And then uh, we come back from the break, and JR is with Dustin Rhodes. And uh, he asked Dustin Rhodes about his team with Barry Windham and their goals. And, of course... They want to be the world tag team champions because, I mean, if you're a tag team in the tag team division, you'd want to be the world tag team champions. 
And uh, so uh, JR got his answer there. Then he shifts the discussion to Dustin's singles aspirations. And Dustin, he, he basically says, I'm laying out the challenge to Ravishing Rickard. Everybody wants to conquer the world, but I don't want to conquer the world yet. I want to conquer the United States champion. So I'm calling you out, Ravishing Rick Rude. And uh, Rude, ironically, the number one contender to the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. But he still holds the United States title. And he's got Dustin Rhodes hot on, uh, hot on his trails. However, Rude's also got issues with Masa Chono in Japan. So Rick Rude's got, you know, a full deck of cards uh, in 1992. Um, you know, going into uh, the, 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 the latter part of the year. Um, but, yeah, uh, Dustin basically laid out the challenge. And we'll see what, you know. What Ravishing Rickard has to say. Um, and then JR mentions Dustin Rhodes' uh, training regimen with Eric Watts, who happens to be sitting at ringside, son of Bill Watts. Um, Dustin calls Watts over to the interview area, uh, and JR uh, gives him a little bit of mic time. Watts is pretty excited about his training and his debut, and he's confident he's in good hands with Dustin, Barry Windham, and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Um, up next, featured bout would see Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, world television champion, defeating Vinny Vegas, who we all know as Big Kevin Nash. Um, solid match. Vegas's size advantage kind of overpowered the Dragon for the majority of it, but uh, Steamboat won with a quick roll-up and uh, retained his TV title. Um, as we head into commercial, and then we come back from commercial, and it's Ron Simmons out for an interview with JR. Uh, Simmons, you know, of course, as a white meat babyface, puts over his fighting spirit as the champion. Um, he gives Rick Rude a lot of credit for his ability, um, and, you know, his ability being the reason why he was named the number one contender of the world title. However, he says he's proud to be the champion, and he wants to headline Halloween Havoc as the champion. So uh, a little bit of foreshadowing here as to what we're going to see with Ron Simmons um, at Halloween. Um, then we go to... Uh, the, what would be the main event of this show Bobby Eaton and Arn uh, the, what would be the main event of this show Bobby Eaton and Arn Anderson defeating Kevin Neal and Robert Wallace um, Hayes was on commentary for this one discussing his team's number one contendership and a future showdown with Doc and Gordy uh, which didn't really give us any reasons to why all of a sudden he wasn't buddy buddy with Terry Gordy anymore and why he aligned with Arn Anderson and beautiful Bobby uh, at least on Saturday night maybe on power hour or WCW main event or pro or worldwide or wherever those shows are maybe there's more explanation there but at least in this instance it didn't seem to be the case um yeah, these guys make quick work of the enhancement talent. Um, Anderson makes one of them submit to an arm bar, and then we get a post-match interview with the three of them. Um, however, they get interrupted by Rick Steiner, who challenges any one of them to a match immediately. Uh, he runs in the ring, and Scott shows up to give him some backup, and the uh, you know, crowd's going crazy, and it looks like we're out of time. And we will see you all next week on WCW Saturday Night. And that about does it with our recap this week here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, episode 21 for September the 12th, 1992. Like I said, spoiler alert, WCW Saturday Night would have to S a D from behind in order for superstars to win this week. And I, I they didn't do that, that's for sure. Um, this was a much better show than superstars. Um, I, I liked, there was multiple storylines that were touched upon. There was multiple, um, 
things happening that they were at least addressing um, in this episode, whereas Superstars, they really just touched on the Ric Flair-Randy Savage title uh, match with Flair coming out the victor. Um, there was multiple things on this show, on the Saturday night show, that got me that I was interested in more than the Sar the Superstar show. So uh, second week in a row here on uh, marking out the day's weekend warriors, but I'm going with WCW Saturday night for the victory. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it this week here on marking out the day's weekend warriors. Don't forget to uh, hit us up on social media, uh, Retromania on Facebook, Retro with a W, you can search for it, as well as our Twitter handle, at Retromania Pod, Retro with a W. Um, you can find us on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network by searching any podcast platform available. Uh, search Retromania, and you'll find Marking Out the Days, Kicking Out at Two, Gaijin Wrestling Radio, Hulkamania is Dead, Origins of Attitude, and all different kinds of bonus content over there on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And then, like I said, it's going to do it this week. Thank you guys so very much. Hopefully, I uh, I, I entertained you and brought you a, uh, a a solid recap of the September. 12th 1992 editions of superstars and saturday night i'll be back flying solo once again next week giving kobe another week off so uh you know he can catch up on on you know having a life or just other retromania duties uh, i don't mind doing these by myself every once in a while keep them short sweet to the point um and if you guys have any interest in getting to watch these episodes of superstars and saturday night do so on wwe network right now excuse me i just hit my microphone um yeah, so uh, go do that uh, if you want to uh, look back on uh, these episodes after you've listened to this and uh, heard the comprehensive recap of WCW Saturday Night and WWF Superstar. So, like I said, that's going to do it this week here on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. Catch you all later. <laughs>